1: Hi, this is Alex Goldfain, author of Selling Boldly, Applying the New Science of Positive Psychology to Dramatically Increase Your Confidence, Happiness, and Sales, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And
0: now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist, You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, and if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now, on with the show! Today we welcome Alex Goldfein to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Selling Boldly, Applying the New Science of Positive Psychology to Dramatically Increase Your Confidence, Happiness, and Sales, published by Wiley. Alex is the CEO of the Revenue Growth Consultancy and is also the author of The Revenue Growth Habit, The Simple Art of Growing Your Business by 15% in 15 minutes a day which was selected as the sales book of the year by 800 CEO Reed and Forbes selected it as one of the top 15 business books of the year and he's the author of Evangelist Marketing what Apple, Amazon and Netflix understand about their customers that your company probably doesn't Alex does more than 50 speeches and workshops each year and regularly keynotes large annual association meetings as well as sales kickoff events. And interesting fact, he was born in Ukraine when it was still part of the former Soviet Union. Alex, congratulations on selling boldly and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So tell us the story of how this book came to be and why you wrote it. So most of what's
1: wrong in sales, which means most of the things that we don't do, that we know we should do, uh, have to do with fear, right? Fear has cost your listeners lots and lots of money, uh, which is the opening of the book. And so as I go around and I work with my clients, and so I, as you said at the beginning there, I run a consulting practice. Uh, And uh, that work is to grow revenue. And uh, that means I work with sales people and customer service people and uh, essentially customer facing people uh, for my clients. And among those people, the single greatest, most damaging problem is fear. And it happens so automatically and it happens um, so quickly and, and so repeatedly that most of the time we don't even know that it's happening, you know? So fear is the reason we don't pick up the phone, for example, and use email instead. Fear is the reason we don't ask for the business to every interested prospect or customer that we talk to. Um, fear is the reason we don't tell people what else they can buy from us because we think, boy, if they need it, they'll call me, right? They'll come if they need it. And so I decided to write a book, uh, that deals with this fear, that this incredibly damaging thinking uh, that keeps us from helping more customers more. And in turn, uh, when, when we do them this disservice, this uh, we cost ourselves an awful lot of good and ultimately an awful lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. So I just want to read a, an excerpt from the very beginning. You mentioned it, and it goes like this. Want to grow sales? Here is an executive summary of this book in two sentences and two steps. First step is to know how good you are so that you gain confidence, positivity, and boldness. The second step is to communicate with customers and prospects more because the more we communicate, the more we sell. The less we communicate, the less we sell. It never works the other way. We can never communicate less and sell more. That's the book in a nutshell. If you keep reading, you'll learn in deep detail how to dramatically increase your positivity, confidence and joy by listening to your happy customers and then simply offering to help them more. So Alex, what is uh, positive psychology? Explain that for the listener and and what's the new science of of the positive psychology?
1: So uh, positive psychology is uh, the study of what makes us happy and successful. As opposed to the rest of psychology, which is the study of what makes us screwed up, right? It is the study of what makes us depressed and anxious uh, and, uh, you know, many other things. So positive psychology is really a field that's only been around for, I don't know, 20 to 25 years. And the founder of positive psychology, the father of it, is a man named Martin Seligman. And uh, he's actually, because I studied psychology in college, he's actually in uh, the old textbooks because he was an intern for B.F. Skinner uh, when Skinner uh, essentially discovered and formulated and invented behavioral psychology, which is um, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. It's the rats pushing the lever and then getting their reward, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so positive psychology is Seligman's baby, essentially. And uh, and by the way, Seligman now in his 80s, when you study somebody in college, you don't think they're alive anymore. <laughs> right. Um and, and so Seligman, uh, you know, better than alive, he's still running this department of positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, He's still writing books. He's still prolific in his research. Um, and uh, just to give you an example specifically of what is positive psychology, uh, I was speaking at a conference a few years ago, and I think this is in the book too, uh, and uh, Seligman was also speaking. And so here we are together, this guy who, you know, I studied uh, when, when, when I was a child, uh, and he said that in his research... Uh, he has discovered, he has found that perseverance and resilience are twice as important to success as talent is, right? So another way of saying that is perseverance and resilience is two-thirds of the
0: equation to success, and talent is only one-third. I'm always encouraged by information like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, because there, there's far less talented people who are a lot more successful right? Then they're more talented colleagues. For example, if you look at your favorite sports team, Douglas, which is what?
0: Oh, gosh, I don't know. Maybe my college football team. So which one? Give me a... Uh, Oh, VMI.
1: Okay. So if you look at that team, there are uh, players who are less naturally athletically gifted, right? Maybe they can't run as fast. Maybe they can't jump as high. Maybe they're not as strong. But those players are outperforming. They're more athletically talented colleagues that are on the team. And, uh, you know, as I think, because I, I live in Chicago and I think through, you know, Bears teams uh, from my uh, from really like the good Bears teams, which, which, like is, uh, in 85? Yeah, that's like when I was young, also, right? There aren't any recent good Bears teams. Um, and if I think through Cubs and Bulls and uh, any team that you like, there's less talented players outperforming more talented ones. And it's the same in books. As you know, Douglas, there can be, um, you know, some pretty terrible books that achieve. Uh, you know, high bestseller status because the, the author, uh, and on the sports side, the player, uh, outwork out, persevere. Um, they, they keep going more than the more talented players who have a little less of that element because they haven't had to be as resilient, right? They haven't needed as much grit because they've always gotten by in their natural talent. So this is a very long winded explanation of what is positive psychology, but, uh, it's the study of what makes us successful. And it's a study uh, of what makes us happy.
0: Now, let's go back to uh, what I mentioned earlier about communicating more. When I read the excerpt, how does communicating more help? And why do people not communicate more with their customers?
1: Let's do the second part first. People don't communicate more with customers because they are afraid of bothering them, of upsetting them, and ultimately, in turn, of losing them. So... Mm -hmm. uh, if I call them and they are busy, I don't want to take their time. I don't want to step on their toes. And if I do, uh, they're going to leave me. Forget about the fact that they've been with you for 20 years or 10 years mm. and they're happy. Right. The and reason then an
0: earthquake happy. will probably happen. <laughs>
1: and then I'll die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I pick up the phone and call this customer uh, and uh, I don't get a yes immediately, I will die. Or mm-hmm. when the earthquake, uh, when the earthquake comes, I'm going to lose my house. Literally, right? Mm-hmm. Or when the earthquake comes, my children won't have milk to drink tomorrow mm-hmm. if this customer tells me no. And All pretty likely. Again, again um, th- it happens so quickly and so automatically that we don't even know it's there. It's just happening. And it's in our subconscious, right? We're not aware of it happening. And uh, so, so that's why we don't communicate more. Here's why it's important to communicate more. Because your customers are really busy. And even though you're thinking about your stuff all the time, that is, you're thinking about your products, your services, um, how to sell them, uh, how you can help different customers, uh, your customers aren't thinking about your stuff like you are. They're thinking about their stuff, right? (laughs) They're busy too. They're not busy with your stuff. They're busy with their stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we must communicate in very simple ways. To get in front of our customers and prospects so that they remember us, so that they think of us, so that we put uh, instead of uh, trying to time an itch that the customer might have at the sporadic moments that we happen to call them, uh, I want your listeners to put a back scratcher on customers' desks that says their name or their company name. Uh, And we do this by communicating regularly and frequently. Mm -hmm. And when we do this… Uh, The customer happens to get an itch for our product or service. Uh, We don't have to worry about timing it precisely to that moment. They simply are hearing from us all the time. So they pick up the back scratcher and they scratch. And so that's why it's important to communicate uh, so that they remember us, so that they think of us, and so that
0: they can buy from us. Mm -hmm. You talked about turning snowflakes into blizzards.
1: Yeah. Small, simple communications. That add up into big results, into big outcomes. For example, if I'm a customer of yours, what am I typically buying? Give me the typical thing that I buy.
0: Marketing services, lead generation.
1: So, so give me one service. What's a common thing that I might buy from you?
0: A uh, content marketing plan.
1: Good, content marketing plan. And so now ask me a did you know question that's a related service you can do for me, but it's not that one. Mm -hmm. Did you know I can also help you with what?
0: Right. Did you know we could also help you with uh, internal communications?
1: Good. There it is. So that took how long to ask? Maybe three seconds, right? Yeah. So that's a snowflake, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you ask uh, five of those a day. So that's five snowflakes. We know that 20% of did you know questions uh, through through researching it, 20% end up in a new sale. Because you're talking to people who you know, friend. These are friendlies, right? These aren't cold calls. These aren't enemies. These are friendlies. Uh-huh. So five snowflakes, uh, we know one will close. Uh, Fifty snowflakes, we know ten will close. Five hundred snowflakes, we know a hundred will result in new money. So that's what I mean by snowflakes into blizzards.
0: So going, uh, trying to let go of your of your fear, and uh, a lot of the book works on that. You you set up this. Uh, dichotomy. In fact, there's an actual table with two columns in it, and it talks about uh, sort of the two ends of the continuum, which is selling boldly versus selling fearfully. And I want to ask you uh, about some of these uh, different things. For Mm -hmm. instance, yours talks about proactive selling versus reactive selling. Yep. Uh, confidence versus fear, boldness versus meekness, optimism versus pessimism, and so on. Yeah. And we won't have time to go through all of them, but I wanted to ask you about a, a few in particular. And can you explain the concept of proactive selling versus reactive selling? I could, I could definitely see myself as a business owner falling into
1: this. Yeah, for sure. And, and almost everybody does, right? Business owner or salesperson or whatever your work happens to be, we come into the office and sit down at our desk and the phone starts to ring, right? The requests start to come in, you know, or maybe the email requests start coming in. And uh, we are in the customer service business. We have to help the customer. And so we do. Uh, and as soon as we're done addressing that issue, the next phone call comes in. And, and Douglas, when do people call? When they're happy? Uh,
0: when they need something,
1: or yes. you know, I hope they call
0: if they're upset about something, but generally if they need something.
1: Generally if they need something or something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So e- either there's a problem, so you screwed it up, fix it, they're saying, or they're saying, um, I need it yesterday, right? Nobody ever calls and says, listen, take nine months whenever you're ready, <laughs> right. get to it when you when you have time, right?
0: Normally they proceed it with, oh, I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> right, for
1: the last three months. Right. Uh, <laughs> so. Something um, else
0: I need right. So so
1: the the requests that are incoming, which which uh, you know occur all day, uh, are urgent generally. And as a result, we have to resolve them because that's the work. Uh, the problem is they come in one after another and we spend our day that way. then we blink and it's four o'clock and we go home and then we come in the next day at nine in the morning and it happens yet again. And mm-hmm. so and it actually feels good to be helping too. You're, you're helping and you're being totally reactive. And so we mm-hmm. are a pinball bouncing around from one incoming inquiry to the next, right? And if the right inquiries come in, we might grow. But it's not up to us, right? If the wrong inquiries come in, we won't grow. If the customer happens to want to buy something, then we'll be able to sell it to them. But we're not doing the proactive work of selling some more things to some more proactive customers. Um, The only people that tend to work this way are uh, newer salespeople who don't yet have a book
0: of business. That's right. You talked about that in the book, about a guy that had to build a book, and he he's had to be proactive because there was nobody calling him, That's <laughs> asking right. him for something. That's right. But then it tapered off.
1: Yeah. He doesn't have any money, right? And he needs money. He doesn't have any sales yet because he's new either to the company or to the profession. And he needs to build a book of business. But once we build a book of business and, and these phone calls that we just talked about start to come, we run out of time for continuing to be proactive, or so we think, Um, and we just become reactive. And when you are reactive, you tend to be flat year over year. You tend not to be growing. You're just servicing existing business. You're gathering, right? You're you're Mm -hmm. sitting down on the ground, and you're looking around you, and you're gathering towards yourself, right, like a child might, Uh, that which is close, like my daughter lays in her bed when it's nighttime, I have eight-year-old twins. And my daughter says to me, dad, she's yelling downstairs, can you come and close my door? And I said, honey, who's closer to the door? You or me? Uh, Why do I have to come up and close the door? So uh, I'm dad, but the door is five feet from her. So you get out of bed and close it. So that it's the same kind of gathering that which is immediately around us. So that's reactive selling. Proactive selling is like you asking me that. Did you know question that we talked Mm -hmm. about? Uh, proactive selling is picking up the phone and calling somebody you haven't talked to in six months or more because that guy's not calling in, right? That's somebody you're going to call out to. Proactive selling is to follow up on a quote or a proposal. And so these are quick things, that are snowflakes, once again, that we can do and make happen, essentially, that isn't incoming to us. And if you want to grow, We have to infuse some proactive, quick, easy uh, communications, because these are all communications, that's what kind of actions they are, into our otherwise reactive day.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've had some other authors of sales books on the show. And uh, one common thread is that, as it relates to this, no one really defaults to prospecting. (laughs) That's <laughs> you know you have to uh, think about it that way because otherwise you you do get lured by the um the stimulus of activity and and reacting to people. So Henry Ford said whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right. Yeah. As it relates to optimism versus pessimism, why is that one of Alex Goldfain's favorite quotes?
1: I love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about it from a life perspective, and then let's talk about it from a sales perspective. Um, you can wake up in the morning and say to yourself, uh, today is going to be a terrible day.
0: <laughs>
1: and you will be exactly right. Uh, you will look for reasons that it's terrible. Or you can wake up and say to yourself, I'm going to have a great day today. I'm going to do what I can, have an awesome day. And uh, then you very well might. Now, it's not in your control entirely, is it? So things can happen to you. But the way that you react to them, if that is the mindset, if you think you can in this case versus thinking that you can't, uh, you're going to do what you can to react uh, appropriately, positively to that. Now in sales, you can pick up the phone and say, "This guy's never going to buy," and guess what? You will He's never. Probably sell. not
0: going to. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I would bet my children's college money, Douglas, that you will not make the sale. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. and you know, let's think about it from the sales calls we get, you can tell when the person calling you doesn't believe that he or she can, right? This person believes that she can't, or he can't. And we know what that feels like. You can feel that as a customer. And so that's, uh, why, uh, it's so important because we have a choice, right? We're the only ones who have a choice. Animals don't have a choice. My dogs don't have a choice. Um but we get a choice of how we're going to go about our day or this sales action that we're about to do. And so for optimism versus pessimism, the simple question is, who would you rather buy from, the optimistic salesperson or the pessimistic salesperson? Oh,
0: absolutely. And you can right? and you can smell it on the phone. Totally. With their pessimistic totally.
1: And so there's a, I, I know you're, uh, you, you talk to a lot of authors, but one of my favorite books on this is Sean Aker's book, the happiness advantage. And, oh, okay. uh, in, in that book, he talks about, uh, the, the research that has found, and, and this, this is no surprise, but th- there is research that finds that optimistic salespeople outsell pessimistic ones by a wide margin right? And pessimistic salespeople probably don't last in the business very long because they're, they're totally opposing and conflicting thought processes, right? To be pessimistic and a successful salesperson is probably nearly impossible.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I'll include a link to that book uh, in your episode show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. So Alex, uh, chapter 11, I'm talking about chapter 11 in your book, Mm -hmm. uh, not the legal term here in the US. Chapter 11 (laughs) is titled Gratitude versus Cynicism. Why do you have it gratitude versus cynicism instead of gratitude versus uh, ungratefulness?
1: Yeah, it was, I, I think I even talk about that a little bit in that chapter about, you know, what, what's the opposite of gratitude. And I don't, I don't know that there was a precise single word for it and we could, we could discuss what, you know. You but but
0: cynicism wasn't the first thing that, that popped in my mind. That's why it was so right. interesting the way you selected that.
1: Mine either, right? It's, it's, it's not the first thing, but when you deal with uh, salespeople for a living as I do, uh, and, and, and I sit and I think about the, the folks that are grateful go about their day in a certain way, right? So I appreciate the opportunity to call on this prospect. I'm grateful to have prospect. Um, I am grateful that people uh, pick up the phone when I call or they return my call when I call. Heck, if they don't return your call, let's say you're a salesperson and people don't return your call. Well, you have prospects that you can call, right? There's humans with phone numbers that you get to call and try to help. How lucky are you? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of that, if we look at, you know, why cynicism, uh, the cynical salesperson might say, um, these people don't need me. If they needed me, they'd call me. Mm. Um, or, gosh, I am, you know, I, I am so lucky that uh, this person picked up the phone because uh, most people don't pick up the phone when I call. What you want to be is grateful for the opportunity That applicant. you
0: can leave a voice message.
1: Th- that's it. Th- they get to hear the sound of your voice, yeah. right? Like that's cool, um, and you should know that the competition probably isn't making these calls. We assume that all of our prospects are getting a million phone calls. It's not true. Nobody, just as you hate calling prospects, everybody hates calling prospects, right? <laughs> right. You're you're in the great majority.
0: Yeah, and and talk about that uh, as it relates to. I was amazed at. Uh, you said I think most people spend less than, salespeople spend less than four hours on the phone a week?
1: Yeah. So uh, if, if you look at the research, and I've researched this uh, among my clients, uh, the uh, salesperson who works for 40 hours a week, whose job it is to talk to humans, right, which is all salespeople to talk to humans with words, spends four hours a week on the phone. That's the average. Per week, not per day, per week. And so you work for 40. So what's happening the other 36 hours, right? Good question. Um, well, and I asked them, and this is what they say. <laughs> I'm emailing, um, of course, because I've sent an email. I've succeeded, right? I've done my job. Um, or I'm getting ready to call. Uh, right. I'm, I'm preparing, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm getting ready to get ready. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm researching, I'm driving. Driving is a great one because, of course, you can't possibly use the phone while you drive, right? You can't use Bluetooth and dial a number and get a signal and call people. But yeah, four hours a week. And so as you can see, it's not that hard to stand out from the competition. So my clients take the four hours, move it to six, move it to eight. And how can business not grow? Sales grow every time when you spend more time on the phone. That's how hard this is.
0: Mm -hmm. But you've researched it. (laughs) So you can prove that to the disbelievers.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I say in the book. You know, I don't hope this works. Um, this isn't, the, yes, it's in a book, but this isn't some, you know, theory uh, uh, hypothesis that I'm trying to 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 lay out and prove here. We know this works, right? We know that the more that people hear from you, as you said in the very beginning, the more they buy. And so if you want to make more money in the world, just do these things that are in the book. Just, right. just communicate with people. People some more. That's it.
0: It may seem counterintuitive, but it seems like you can break through by trying to make phone calls now even more than just a few years ago.
1: Well, you know, you're exactly right, because it it used to be uh, more than a few years ago that the phone was all we had, right? Mm -hmm. And so now... no caller ID. Right. So you could just call people and they'd pick up. Um, And literally, that's all anybody had was just the phone. Uh, But, you know, to your point, now we have an entire generation of young salespeople who um, don't have much experience on the phone, who don't like the phone, who are afraid of the phone, who would much rather text and WhatsApp and, um, you know, do these uh, faster actions, critically, Douglas, that are less risky, right? Because on the phone, if you get rejected, you get rejected into your ear, right? And that's intimate. That's an intimate rejection. Psychologically, um, but if I send an email, what is the rejection? The rejection is no response, right? If they don't reply to, you, essentially, if they're not replying to, you, they're ignoring you, which means they're they're rejecting you. But
0: you can keep some sort of hope alive that way, it. I suppose.
1: Yeah, right. You're 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 not shot down. So I sent an email. I've done my job. Well, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. And so we avoid the phone, and we have. Gosh, you know the many, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, of of salespeople in in America who and and around the world who don't have experience or history on the phone. And so, what uh, what I say to my clients in my workshops is, it's not that hard to stand out from the competition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the competition isn't very good. We think they are. We think they're amazing and and impossible to beat. No. No, they're emailing. So, you know, I, I, I say to your listeners, let them email. You pick up the phone. Let people hear from you. Help people. Don't even think about it as selling. Just yes. help people. Help more people some more.
0: And business will grow. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. <laughs> Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Anne Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Baer, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about, which just seems to plague so many um, salespeople as well as as the businesses and and marketing people, and that is they're always wanting to talk about their product uh, first and foremost. You know, the product or the service they want to talk about that. And one of the uh, dichotomies that you present in the in the book is value and relationship versus products and services. So can you explain that one uh, and talk about why people really aren't that interested in your products and services when you start with that?
1: So I work in a uh, relatively mature and um, somewhat boring industries. <laughs> um, so I work with manufacturers and distributors and service companies. So my clients make things or, or distribute them. Right. And the mm-hmm. things that they make or distribute is lumber um, pipes and valves equipment um you know services like accounting or legal or real estate and by definition those things aren't very interesting and further to that um you can buy those things because they are things because they are commodities you can buy them from anybody literally your customer can buy uh, what they get from you from anybody from many other places and so the reason they stay with you is not because your product is amazing and wonderful and incredible and the best,
0: and and probably not because it's the cheapest,
1: and and not because it's the cheapest. I ask customers that. So one of the things I do for my clients is I interview their customers and then I record those calls. And there's a there's a a, a part of the book uh, that deals with that because yeah, that was terrific. You know the the way that you go from the default. Thinking The default psychology, which, as you said, is reactive and um, pessimistic and cynical uh, and meek to the um, desirable mindset, the desirable thinking, which is confident and bold and positive, is you listen to the uh, incredibly uh, emotional and positive feedback from your customers. You can't just sit down at your desk and write down on a piece of paper, this is why I'm excellent and great, because it doesn't sink in. We have to hear it from our happy customers, and so I talk to customers for my clients, uh, and I've I've talked to thousands of customers from all different um, companies that buy from all different companies, and, um, most of these conversations are conversations about their interaction with my client, uh, with with the company, with their um, their work with the company. And on the vast majority of these conversations, I have no idea what this person buys. I don't know. It doesn't come up. And I'll that's talk right. It. You know, it's a it's they a 20 minute about conversation and I don't know what they buy and I don't care what they buy and they don't care to talk about the product. <laughs> it just doesn't come up because it doesn't matter because they can buy the stupid product anywhere. No offense to anybody. Um, and what they talk about is the relationship, is the value, is the time that you save them is the uh, great things you do for them. You make them look good to their customers. You make them look good to their boss. You're always there for them. You pick up the phone when they call. And what are these things about? These things are not about the product. They're about the value that they get, about the relationship that they have with you. They can buy the product anywhere, but the relationship that you have with your customers is singular. They can only get that from you. So if customers are talking about it that way, then you should too, right? Customers are not talking about the product or the price or the problems that they're having. But you, the salesperson or the customer service person or the marketing person, you tend to talk about the product and the price and the problems with your customers. So we don't have to guess at what resonates with customers. We simply have to listen to them. And what they talk about is how working with you helps them. Not about the thing they buy but how it helps them and how you help them. And you should talk about the exact same thing.
0: What other advice do you give to um, people, companies, salespeople who still have this uh, reflexive need to, to jump right into talking about their product and their services?
1: I think that to a certain extent, uh, we have to talk about the product and the service somewhat because you do have to talk about what, what is the thing that's being purchased here, right? What are we sell? sure?
0: But, but not first,
1: not first. And we need to wrap it up. We need to, uh, you know, cushion it a- a- and, a- and, make it comfy and cozy in the great value that it comes with. And so, uh, frankly, you know, the way that you want to do this is to have these testimonials from your happy customers. And if I'm a prospect. Uh, you should be showing those to me, right? I, I, you should say, look, my customers say that working with me saves them 20% of their time compared to buying this from somebody else. Now, I'd like to help you this way. Or my mm-hmm. customers say that uh, I'm always there for them. Uh, I uh, pick up the phone when they call. And when there is a mistake, we bring it to you. Meaning you don't have to you know, find it, discover it, and then bring it to me. I don't hide from mistakes. We fix them right? And I'd like to help you this way. Now, when do you want to talk about that? Tuesday or Thursday? What's better for you? Mm-hmm. So the best way to say you're wonderful is in the words of your customers, right? If, if you say you're wonderful, it's a little weird and uncomfortable. Um, but if you tell me you have customers like me who say you're amazing for these reasons, well, then it's just the truth, right? It's, it's just honest truth from not people you're paying, but people that are paying you and saying these things.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have quite a bit about the importance of testimonials in the book, which we haven't had time to go into, and how to use them and, and how to get them. But I did want to ask you about getting testimonials from happy customers. Yeah. And, and you, just to underscore your last comment, feedback from happy customers is the key to developing the selling boldly mindset. Yes. What, what is the single most important question to ask a customer related to gathering testimonials?
1: What are some of your favorite things about working with me? (laughs) Bravo. That's it. That's how complicated this is. And then you have a conversation. And when when they tell you what those things are, you follow up uh, with a second question, uh, which is um, incredibly interesting, but far less important and impactful than that first question I just shared with you. But the second question is, how does that help you? Right? When I do those things, how does that help you? So question one. What are some of your favorite things about working with us? And then listen, they will tell you. And number two, how does that help you when I do those things?
0: That's absolutely terrific. The, the simplicity of it. Very powerful.
1: Have you, Douglas, have you ever asked somebody for their opinion and they say to you, no, I'd rather not share with you what's on my mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, People love to tell you what they're thinking, right? Here you are asking me. You've probably asked me a total of eight questions on this interview and I've been yapping for half an hour
0: right? Well, and the, and the listener thanks you for that.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, so ask somebody for their opinion and frame it in the context of, look, I'm trying to improve. I'd like to serve you better, right? I want to know what I'm doing well so that uh, I can do more of it for you. So what do you like best? Mm-hmm. And what, what I find when I teach this to salespeople is they're incredibly uncomfortable with this. In fact, we are much more comfortable with asking what can I improve and what can I do better? Because we're used to that feedback, right? And then we can react to it. We could jump when they say jump. Uh, we're much more comfortable with what can I do better than we are with what am I doing great already?
0: You know, it almost brought to mind uh, an idea. Maybe you touched on this, but it was like uh, I was trying to think of like a rule or a touchstone for people. Like, don't ever talk about your product or service unless you can put it in a customer story, like you've been doing in this example.
1: Anytime you could tell me the story of a customer in regards to your product versus just telling me about the product a fact yeah, yeah. You, you've just improved your your presentation or your even your odds of of getting my business right so if i say to you um the more you spend on the phone the more you're gonna sell so that's kind of close to you know a fact Mm -hmm. versus this story, which happens to be in the book, which is I have a client who's the president of uh, a uh, distributing firm. That's about a hundred million dollars. And he said to me that there's a new CEO at uh, one of his suppliers that he buys a lot from. And he said the guy called him on a cell phone. And he said in these words, and I quote here, that's the first time anybody's ever called me on that damn thing. And I said, were you mad at him knowing the answer, of course? And he goes, no, we had a great conversation for half an hour and-, and it was great. And nobody calls me on that cell phone. So what you find is these things that we avoid, customers actually want us to do, right? People, all, all people really want is to know that you're going to be there for them. You're going to be present. If they need you, uh, you'll react. That's all. People just want to know that you're not going to screw them up. You're just going to help them when they need it. And when we avoid doing this obvious work that they want, that will make us money, we're actually hurting them and we're hurting ourselves because mm-hmm. of fear, because of the stupid fear that keeps us from doing the things that we know we should do.
0: Mm. Well said. And Alex Goldfain, last question about the book. What are the greatest differentiators between your clients who grow the most and those who grow the least?
1: So if we zoom out and look at it from a company perspective, right, from an organizational standpoint, because I implement these things for for organizations, for groups, um, the companies that talk about these things the most end up incorporating them into their culture. They make it a part of their conversation internally now, um, and they end up doing the work the most, which means they end up selling more. The companies that do the workshop, and then go back to reacting, uh, they tend to implement these things uh, the least. And so I have some clients that grow 30 to 40% annually, large companies that move that much because they start communicating repeatedly and systematically. And then I have other clients that grow by 5% on top of what they were doing. Uh, and those are the folks who don't keep it top of mind, right? who don't make it a priority to keep talking about this at the sales meetings, um, to, to have this information in front of people. Uh, versus the ones who grow the most uh, and where there is an active discussion about communicating more with customers and prospects.
0: And I'm guessing there's a correlation to CEO buy-in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if the leader, th- th- this can't be done from the middle, right? The sales manager in the unit um, might be able to do this in his or her you know, small um, department. But we need the support not just of the VP or the head of sales. We need the support of the person running the company, running the business. They've got to be present. They've got to be visible. Uh, they come to the workshop. I, I actually you know, talk through with them uh, where I want them to jump in, uh, in, in into the workshops that we do, um, where I want them to connect things. People need to see that it's important to the leader because if it's not, this is what people default to. Uh, this is just a passing fad. It's another flavor of the month, right? right. Because It'll we, blow over. That's it. We've all seen many flavors of the month, right? Yeah. Uh, things come and go. And um, salespeople are much better at avoiding new things than leadership is at implementing them. They're, they have much more experience at it because they know if I avoid this long enough, this too shall pass. And um, what we need to show people uh, at, at, immediately, as early as possible, is this is not a diet. This is a lifestyle change. This is how we live now. We will communicate proactively. Even if it's in three-second, did-you-know question bursts. Mm-hmm. Um, we are communicating proactively now. And so we need, as you just said, CEO and owner buy-in, and we also need um, a constant conversation about
0: these things. Amen. Alex, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Pick up the damn phone. <laughs>
1: Pick up the phone. Don't avoid the phone. It's not your enemy. It makes you <laughs> the money. The phone
0: is your friend. That's it. Pick up
1: the phone. Your customers aren't getting a million phone calls. They're getting like no phone calls. Think about in your world, right? If, you, if you're if you somebody who spends money personally or professionally, mm-hmm. think about how many one-on-one phone calls do you get from people um, who are calling um, not for a reactive reason, so not like something's wrong, right? Can, can, can you fix it or can I fix it for you? But uh, people who are calling proactively to say, hey... Douglas, how's your family? All right. How have you been? I was thinking about you. What's been going on? Oh, and by the way, what are you working on these days that I might be able to help you with? We don't get those calls. And neither do your customers and prospects. So let them hear from you. You're showing them you're interested. You're showing them you care. Pick up the phone and you will see your sales go up. Uh, there's really no other choice.
0: Mm. Well said. Alex, you mentioned the Happiness advantage, um, what other books have inspired your work and career
1: well that's a big one. Um, I mentioned to you uh, I'm, I'm just looking at my bookshelf here, so my my face now is facing away from the microphone if there's a change in in the sound here <laughs> okay uh, so noted so so martin Seligman uh, who who I mentioned earlier is is the father of positive psychology, has a wonderful book out called Learned Optimism uh, and it's where he talks about how you can literally decide, right, as that Henry Ford quote was, um, you can literally decide to make yourself optimistic uh, versus kind of being reactively pessimistic. And another book of Seligman's that I love, which is not a sales book, but it's, it's a book uh, if you have young children, where the same concepts will apply. Uh, his book is called The Optimistic Child. And so if oh, you've yes. got young kids.
0: We had, no, mine minor in college, but we, uh-huh. we had that book.
1: And that is just a treasure, uh, of, uh, shaping your kids, uh, minds, you know, and thinking and the way that Seligman writes it in the beginning, I found this with my kids who are only eight, I have eight year old twins, as I said, but, um, it inoculates children against depression and anxiety, you know, because you, you talk about gratitude and you talk about optimism and, you know, just a simple exercise. Like what uh, that I do, we do with our kids right before bed, what are, uh, the three best things that happened today that you're grateful for, All right. What did you like best today? Some version of that question.
0: Yeah, great question. Yeah, and you mentioned that in the book.
1: You know, and so they go to sleep. The, the last thing that they say or that they think about, at least with mom and dad, is three things that they're happy about, right? Three things that they're grateful for. And then they sleep on it. Um, and then they wake up with it. And so it's it's just incredibly useful. And, and the exact same process works for uh us you know for grown-ups there's a there's a little book out it's not even really a book it's a it's kind of like a journal and it's called i'm looking at it now it's called the five minute journal have you heard of this
0: i'm holding one of my hands right now i just learned about it in an interview with joey coleman yep and i've i've started doing it doggone it isn't that funny
1: and and it and it probably takes less than five minutes doesn't it to to go it's through true. it
0: they're not yeah they're not uh they're not misleading
1: and I haven't done it in a while, but I'm looking through here. I'm going through one that's just about almost filled up. So I've got, um, you know, pages here from 2016, from 2015. And the questions that it asked for, I am, so first thing in the morning, I am grateful for these three things. What would make today great? These three things. Uh, and then there's a daily affirmation, which simply starts with I am dot, dot, dot. And you just write in what you are. And then at night, you write down three amazing things that happened today, um, which is just like, what am I grateful for today? And you will find that it, it shapes your thinking and it changes your instinct from uh, reactivity, from pessimism, even from cynicism to uh, optimism and positivity and boldness.
0: Alex, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to seeing come out?
1: I think that the most directly related recent book uh, as, as I'm just kind of thinking through what I've read recently, uh, is this book, uh, called grit, uh, oh. G R I T by Angela Duckworth. Yes. And, uh, it's, it's literally an entire book on perseverance and resilience. Um, and, on trying again and you could, you know, and I talk about this just a little bit in, in my book, There's a chapter on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to us in sales, no, doesn't ever really mean no. Um, it simply means not at this moment. So our job is to give people another moment. Um, you know, I've had entire years in my business, which I think I wrote about there too. I've had entire years where every single client that said yes to me had previously told me no. And so, if I didn't persist and persevere, I would have had no business that year. And so that book, uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth is all about this is, is all about persevering and the importance of it and um, and then how to start doing it as a matter of course systematically.
0: And there's one sent one, one sentence from your book where you said trying again when the customer says no is everything. Yeah. So Alex, how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? So they can go to my
1: website, which is my last name, goldfane.com, and goldfane is G-O-L-D-F-A-Y-N. Um, and what we'll do here, Douglas, is uh, we'll uh, I, I want to create a page for your listeners, uh, you. and, and we'll do it at goldfane.com slash marketing book podcast. Is that okay? Marketing book podcast? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank All right. You. So we'll do that, and uh, I'd like to offer your folks a download as a as a thank you for listening. And uh, so the book will uh, will have some tools and some templates and some forms in it uh, that uh, you can use to plan some of these proactive actions. You know, like for example, there's a proactive phone call planner in it. There's a referral planner in it, and so I'll make these available uh, to your listeners on on that page. Uh, so if you go to marketing marketingbook podcast, you can have access to them uh, before everybody else uh, does.
0: Terrific. Thank you. Listeners, please go there. Uh, Make it worth his while. And on Twitter, you're Alex Goldfain, G-O-L-D-F-A-Y-N. And on Twitter, I'm Marketing Book. So if you're out there listening, uh, please send a tweet to Alex and thank him for being on the podcast. And on your show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, I'm also going to include a link to your LinkedIn profile. So the name of the book is Selling Boldly, Applying the New Science of Positive Psychology to Dramatically Increase Your Confidence, Happiness, and Sales. The author is Alex Goldfain Alex, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast.
1: Thank you, Douglas. I'm grateful. Thank you for having me.
0: Closes the book on episode 169 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist. To support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan, visit blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast. I also have a link to that special offer at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome John Asher to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Close Deals Faster, the 15 Shortcuts of the Asher Sales Network. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.